Hi, this is Liz Ryan, and this is the Work-Related Podcast, episode 13. 13? I'm not taking that as an unlucky number. I'm taking it as a lucky number. I'm uh, I'm viewing episode 13 as a really lucky thing. And I'm going to talk about in this episode how to get a job. Big topic, right? How to get a job. Well, it's only a 20 or 25 minute episode like the other episodes in this podcast. So I'm not going to get hugely granular, but I am going to go from the top level of altitude, you know, the, the cloud, the vision level to the middle level so that I can be a little bit specific about how you're going to get a job. But the most important thing to know if you want or need a new job is that you have to change. You have to change your mindset about how you get a job. You have to get out of the mindset that the person who hires you is doing you a favor. You have to lose that mindset because that mindset is very, very destructive to your ability to get a new job. When I say that to people, they say, oh, well, you want me to be cocky? So here's what we have. We have this training, most of us, maybe from such an early age that we don't even remember getting the training, but it was very thorough. This, uh, this, this teaching that we absorbed and internalized such that we're not even aware we got it. And it says you can only either be humble, so humble that you're essentially groveling or begging for a job, the supplicant mindset, please your majesty, please consider, you know, giving your humble servant a chance on the one hand or being cocky on the other hand and therefore undeserving of a job. Those are the two paths that we see and we reject the idea of being cocky or conceited or into ourselves. So we say, no, I have to be subservient and I have to grovel and beg to get this job. We don't see the natural, obvious middle way, which is to be confident in yourself, not cocky, not conceited, but also not groveling not begging for the job, not going on an interview to prove that you deserve a chance. It's actually the job of the interviewer to sell you on the opportunity. A lot of interviewers obviously miss that part of the job, but that's always been the job of an interviewer. Because what are you trying to do? You're trying to hire really great people, right? Meaning switched on and sharp and paying attention, alert, awake, aware. And if you're trying to hire people who have other choices, don't have to work for you, and really, why wouldn't you want to hire people like that? If you're trying to hire people who have choices, then you have to be willing to sell them. You have to be a little bit humble yourself as an interviewer and say, you know, I'd love to hear more about what you're looking for to see whether this might be the right place for you. Got to be willing to sell. I'm so glad that I never learned that you're supposed to just vet candidates and 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 force them to contort themselves into pretzel shapes. I'm really glad no one ever told me that because I always sold candidates. And I'm really glad I did because that's how we built a couple of really great companies. But you can't rely on the interviewer selling you. So you got to do something else. 
You're not going to grovel. You're not going to beg for the job. You're not going to go in there like Hermione Granger of Harry Potter fame, just trying to get the straight A's and please the teacher and, you know, get a gold star on your forehead. You're going to go in there really, really, really well prepared, really well prepared to talk about what's going on in the organization and specifically to talk about one thing with your hiring manager, that is your prospective next boss, and that is what isn't going perfectly in their department, what we call pain. But let's back up and talk about your job search from the beginning. The first step in your job search is the most important step way before a job interview, and that is to decide, to absolutely decide and choose what you want to do in your next job. The biggest problem most job seekers have is that you cannot tell by reading their resume what kind of job they want, and that is death. That That is such an enormous impediment. They are afraid, understandably so, to leave anything out of their branding. So they list all the things they can do and all the things they've ever done. I don't want any lists to appear in your resume or your LinkedIn profile ever. A list of words separated by commas is the worst. The worst brand there is, is Jack of all trades or Jill of all trades. It's horrible. It's not true. And it doesn't mean anything. It has no resonance. Your resume, your LinkedIn profile has to be full of resonance. Reading that thing has to be like hitting a gong or a triangle. It has to just keep reverberating in the reader's mind, right? It has to keep going. It has to mean something. It's not about the keywords. Yes, there have to be relevant keywords in your LinkedIn profile and in your resume, but the keywords will not even get you an interview on their own because think about it, way too many people have the appropriate keywords in their resume or application in order for the company to interview them all. There's too many. You got to have a human message. And the message is, I get to some degree, I get what you folks are up against. I get it. I see you. I get it. So the very first thing you have to do is decide what kind of job you want, because you can't brand yourself to be everything. You're going to brand yourself for the job you want. And if we wrote a song about this job search protocol and mindset, that's what the song would be called. Brand yourself for the job you want. Should resolve that, right? Brand yourself for the job you want, right? That's the thing you got to do. Brand yourself for the job you want. Not every job you could perform. No lists. You're not going to say in the summary of your resume, I've worked in aerospace, law, and banking. Who cares? Why would anybody care about those three things? Why would you list those three things? All they can do is push away readers who don't care about aerospace, law, and banking. Are you applying for a job in banking? Great. Then talk about the fact that you worked in banking. It's relevant. Don't talk about aerospace and law. No one cares. See what I'm saying? This is not 1982. We're not writing 1982 resumes anymore. Dear sir or madam, 
I am a multi-skilled business professional. No, uh-uh. Talking to human beings in human language, in our case, English. Don't list things that have nothing to do with the reader. You're going to take the reader's perspective. Job hunting is a marketing and sales exercise. Well, so is recruiting. But we'll talk about that another day. You're going to brand yourself specifically for the job you want. What does it mean? It means highlighting the experiences in your background that are the most relevant to the, the requirements and the concerns and the pain of the person who is the reader and the target audience for your resume and your LinkedIn profile. And that's your hiring manager or recruiters supporting that person. You're writing your resume for one person and your LinkedIn profile too. Notwithstanding the fact that LinkedIn has 850 million users, you don't care about them. You care about the person who's the target buyer. It's a marketing exercise. They're a target buyer of your time and talent. Renter, I should say, right? So you're going to take their glasses. You're going to take their view of the world. What are the problems that crop up for a person in that role? If they're a CTO, they're going to have one set of likely problems. Pain, we call it. If they're the head of sales analysis, they're going to have a different set of problems, right? If they're the head of property management for a real estate concern, they're going to have different issues. And you're going to speak to those issues in your resume by telling little stories about times when you slew those particular dragons or tamed them. Dragon slaying stories, we call them. If you're getting this conceptually, how it's a marketing exercise and how you're going to brand yourself for the job you want. And if you're saying, okay, I get it. I get it conceptually, Liz, but I have to implement this now for my own job search. And it's hard and, and it's, it doesn't come easily to me and I need help. Great. Go to my career coach directory in that case, humanworkplace.com slash directory. It's going to take you right to our coaching directory. These are human workplace network career coaches. I've trained myself and they're awesome. And you're going to read the profiles and use one of the contact forms there to reach out to a coach and step into career coaching with them and do this work with them on your own resume and your own LinkedIn profile and your own job search. Once you know what kind of job you want that, that, that works for you at the intersection of what you do really well and like to do and where there's a need in the marketplace, you're going to be able to price yourself, right? You're not going to pick a job based on, you know, I'm reading, uh, Indeed, I'm reading job openings, uh, job ads on link on <laughs> on Indeed, and I'm gonna I'm gonna react. You're gonna decide in advance what kind of job you want, and then you're gonna allocate your time according to how close or far those job ads are from your requirements in terms of the kind of work you want to do, and of course your price tag. You're gonna shift the power equation. You're gonna get rid of this mindset that. As a job seeker, you're automatically a supplicant and a beggar and you have to take crumbs. No, there's still a war for talent going on. There's 1.9 jobs available in the United States 
for every person who's looking. So shake off that, that, that toxic lemonade, get it out of your veins that you have to grovel to get a job. That's the wrong mindset and it's going to hurt you. And it's going to get you to take a job working with the wrong people who do not deserve your talent. You've got to change your mindset. How do you do that? Surround yourself with people who lift you up and limit as much as possible the time you spend with people who drag you down. You have to be in your power to get the job you deserve. Working with people who deserve your talents on their team. Okay, so when you zero in on the job you want down to one or two job titles, not any kind of job, not a broad swath of jobs. I'll do any HR job. No, you won't. I'll do any sales job. No, you won't. That is a supplicant mindset. I don't know. Beggars can't be choosers. Why are you a beggar? You got laid off. Everybody gets laid off. doesn't make you a beggar. doesn't make you less than. I have no money. Okay, I get that. You might take a job then, a complete pay the bills job that you require nothing else of than it will pay your, your, your most important bill, your rent or your mortgage, maybe your groceries, and then you'll keep job hunting. You will not change your view of yourself because you got laid off. My gosh, we've all been laid off. doesn't affect you. Don't let that in emotionally. Don't let that in. It's just something that happened, has nothing to do with you. doesn't diminish you in the slightest. Okay, you're going to pick a job title or two, and now your branding gets so much easier. Because you're saying, here's what I do. This is who I am. I do this kind of work. They are invited, the reader. They are invited to travel along with you on this journey for some period of time. You'll get off at some exit down the road, but we're not thinking about that now. Right now, we're just thinking about this is what I do. If this is something, you know, that they need in their shop, then they're welcome to reach out and talk to you or schedule an interview. But you're going to step into that target job mindset right now. You're not going to wait for somebody to give you the title. And now you're fully, right now you're qualified. Now you've been tapped on the shoulder with the ceremonial sword. No, no, no. You are going to tap yourself on the shoulder, figuratively speaking, with the ceremonial sword and dub yourself whatever you want to be, whatever, whatever you are at this moment. You don't have to have had a particular job title to consider yourself and brand yourself and go out to the job market as that job title. Unless it's literally in the medical profession or legal, right? You're allowed to call yourself an instructional designer if you've been doing that kind of work. You're allowed to call yourself a UI person or, right? A, a programmer, or software engineer. We just had this conversation at our marathon resume clinic this past Saturday. Uh, in conjunction with our course, Write Your Perfect Resume. We did a two and a half hour clinic talking about resume language. And this was the point I was hammering home. You do not have to have had the job to now brand yourself as that. Can you do the work? Can you answer questions about it? You did something like that. You did something similar. You didn't have the title. Well, it's yours then. You did it. You claim it. We're changing our mindset. You have more power than you think, but you got to use it 
to get more. And no one, no one will agree that you have that power unless you use it and you have to believe it yourself. Okay, you've picked a career direction. Now you're going to brand yourself specifically for the job you want, not all jobs. Resist the temptation to go more broadly. Happens to all of us. Well, I really specialize in, you know, um, uh, whatever, in um, product marketing, but I've dabbled in marketing communication. Uh, 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 uh. That will just weaken your brand. Can't be all things to all people. You're going to focus on your hiring manager. That's the buyer. Remember, this is a marketing exercise. And you're going to focus on their pain. What are the things they worry about and stress over in their role? You don't have to have inside information about this particular hiring manager, the manager of your target department in some particular employer. No inside information needed. You just have to know in general what kinds of things bother a manager in that department, in that role. That's what you're going to talk about the most in your resume, how you have already slain or tamed those particular dragons. And when your resume is really strong and really rocking and it brands you powerfully for the job you want, then you're going to start doing outreach. What kind of outreach? Yeah, you can look at the job boards, Indeed, and LinkedIn, and so on, but you're going to not going to be limited to that. You're going to activate your network. You're going to let those folks know about your job search. You're going to make sure your LinkedIn profile is a magnet for recruiters if you're in one of the many, many professions where recruiters, third-party recruiters called executive search consultants or headhunters, where they are active. You're gonna, that's how you get recruiters. You don't need to reach out to recruiters. If you have to reach out to recruiters, there's something wrong with your LinkedIn profile because they should be coming to you. That's their whole job. You're going to learn about pain letters, which are outreach letters that a job candidate sends directly to a hiring manager at their desk, at their home, wherever they are, through the mailroom. You can read about those. I've read, uh, uh, written tons of articles and courses and done podcasts about pain letters. And that's another thing our coaches in our career coaching directory can help you with is creating pain letters and, uh, and consulting. If you are not working or if you want to create a side gig on the side, well, you know, a side gig, think about consulting. It's a brilliant, brilliant way to get another, a new job, part-time consulting. Got a course about that as well. I'll put you on hold for one second here while I answer the door. Okay, so you're clear on what kind of job you want and you're branded for that and you've got some channels working and you're researching employers. You're going to have a target compensation number in mind, base and bonus, stock options, whatever applies in the kind of work you do. And you're going to cultivate a list of target employers, target employers, because with that list, you can drill down and get the names of the hiring managers that you specifically want to reach out to. And these are the people who get your pain letters. And crafting a pain letter, once you get it down, first one might take you half an hour, and then it's shorter and shorter, and it gets down to eight minutes, because all you need is a few little pieces of information about that employer easily found, and you can write a really compelling pain letter and get that hiring manager's attention. I really, really want that for you. 
because boy, that will change the character and tone of an interview. Won't even be an interview. It'll be a conversation, like a consulting conversation about that hiring manager's pain. So now you've got a clear career direction. You've got a branded, really strong human voice resume and a LinkedIn profile. You've got a list of target employers and hiring managers inside of those employers. You've got a target salary uh, profile and you're good to go. The only other thing you need is to be really comfortable interviewing. That means understanding how to talk about pain, how to talk about pain and solutions without giving away the store. I've talked about that on a lot of podcasts before, so I won't, I won't belabor that point today, but there's some very, very good techniques for not giving away the store, not solving the pain intellectually in the interview such that they don't need to hire you. We don't want you to do that, but to under show that you do understand the pain and that solutions are easily arrived at once you are on board and can walk through the steps where it's essentially at that point, an internal consulting engagement to talk to the right people, um, get your arms around the problem, the pain, and then devise a set of prospective solutions to it and pick one. That's it. The big thing, the big message about getting a job is you have got to change your mindset and you've got to break some rules. You got to break the rule that says that as a candidate, you are lowly and you have to approach the throne on bended knee. Just get rid of all that. And the alternative is not to be cocky. The alternative is to be in your power comfortable the way you walk down the street to catch the bus or do anything that you do as a person, as a worthy person who deserves to be in this room and having this conversation, sharing your goodwill and your wisdom with someone who, by the way, is not paying you. Got to get that clear. If you, if you have to listen to this podcast 10 times before that sinks in, why would you think when you approach the throne on bended knee, that that person would respect you and value what you bring. They won't. But when you, when you talk to them and say, I would only guess, I would have to guess that at this stage in your company's growth, you might be dealing with X, Y, Z, a particular dragon. And they say, actually, we kind of are. We've been having some of that. Yeah. I, I, I'm not surprised at all. What have you tried? What have you been uh, doing to surmount that? Well, we've been doing this or that. It's not going that well, honestly. It's kind of a partial solution. Yep, 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 I get that. And so, you know, what are you thinking? Is that How high is that on your list of priorities? Business conversation. At that point, if someone walked in the room, they wouldn't think it was a job interview because it's not. It's a consulting conversation about pain and solutions. That's what we want. That's what we want. And if they make you an offer and you don't accept or they don't make you an offer, yeah, you did a good deed. You help someone clarify their pain and it's all good because this stuff is not as transactional as it sometimes seems. Oh, I failed at that interview. I didn't get the, I didn't get the second interview. I didn't get the offer. You didn't fail. That per they could hire someone and they could quit in a week. You could hear back from them. I, I, I can't tell you how many auditions I've gone on. I said, oh, well, you know, another audition. What are you going to do? I don't know if they'll call me or not. I won't even remember, you know, how I felt at this moment. There's too many auditions. Three months later, they say, we didn't even do that show. We were going to do this 
world premiere opera. We didn't do it. You know, we couldn't work everything out with the theater, but we're doing this other thing and we remembered you and we liked you. That's how it works. That's how it works. And if, and if, and if I don't have the money to pay the rent, obviously that's job number one, Maslow rules. Got to take care of that. And then you can do this stuff that I'm talking about. But I'll tell you what, another thing, when people are right up against it, when they're really desperate, when they really feel like they have no choice, that's when they bust through their fear. That's when they send a pain letter. That's when they speak their truth at a job interview. Interesting. Mother Nature, you know, bats last. <laughs>